Welcome, everybody, to episode two of the Kevin Price Show. Today will be a more overall NFL one, but we will do some takeaways from the NBA Finals first, and let's get right into that. The very first thing I take away from the NBA Finals this year so far is that Giannis has further cemented himself as a top four player and a for real superstar in the NBA. He's had plenty of doubters since he became a big star in the NBA. Like He didn't deserve his MVPs. He didn't deserve his defensive player of the year. He can't carry a team by himself. But he is doing exactly that in the NBA Finals right now. Carrying them by himself and proving he's good. He has two 40-point games already. He's a completely different breed. The second thing I noticed, we need to stop comparing Devin Booker to Kobe. Sure, they play this play a similar way in Kobe trained Book, but Book's not Kobe. There's only one Kobe who's ever played in the NBA at that level, and there's just no one is Kobe. We can't compare other players to Kobe, no matter how similar they play or where they train by. Devin Booker's not Kobe. Kobe wouldn't play like this in the finals. The third thing is, as good as Devin Booker is and, and as important to the Suns as he is, the team revolves around Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton. The Chris Paul and DeAndre Aiden pick-and-roll duo or just Aiden down in the post and Paul having the ball is so much more important for the Suns to win than Devin Booker just going out there and playing. We know what Devin Booker's going to do. He's, he's every night, 25 points per game. We know he's going to bring that every night. But Chris Paul and Aiden really bring that team past that to add on to his 25 points per game and get them wins. The fourth thing I noticed was the Bucks cannot play on the road. When they go home, their lights out, dominant, destroying. Bud looks like a somewhat decent coach. But on the road, everything's just different. The chance getting Giannis's head, the free throws end up missing. They hack him, and it just keeps getting in his head even more. Bud looks even worse as a coach than he already is. Middleton and Holiday can't make a single shot. It just keeps adding up. And that was my four takeaway from the NBA Finals so far. And next, we're going to get into our very early NFL award predictions. First, we're going to start off with the Comeback Player of the Year. I have that as Cam Newton, the quarterback of the New England Patriots. I think Cam will come back this year. Show everyone that he's not washed. He's going to come back, have 20 passing touchdowns, 12 rushing touchdowns, and about 3,600 yards passing. Coach of the Year, I'm going to give it the Bill Belichick, too. Never a blind pick there I mean never a bad pick there with Bill Belichick you know always reliable great coach defensive player of the year I have it as I mean defensive rookie of the year I have it as J.C. Horn from the Carolina Panthers it was very close between Horn and Pat Chertain for me I went with Horn because I feel like he's gonna have a bigger role in the Panthers defense and he's that physical corner who's gonna guard Michael Thomas and Mike Evans and all the number one receivers in the NFC South Offensive Rookie of the Year, this was a very close one for me, but I decided to go Trevor Lawrence over Justin Fields just because I think that Trevor Lawrence will start every game and Fields will come in like week four, week five. Defensive Player of the Year, I have it as Jalen Ramsey, who I wholeheartedly believe is the best corner in the NFL and has been for like the past four years. Ramsey's absolutely locked down. No one really does anything to him. Jalen Ramsey is like prime Darrell Revis right now in this current NFL. Offensive player of the year, I have Dak Prescott coming back from injury. And I could also make an argument for Dak Prescott or to Saquon Barkley to be comeback player of the year, which that's a very serious case. But I think that Dak will get offensive player of the year. 
about 38 passing touchdowns, over 4,000 yards. That Dallas offense is loaded. Mike McCarthy is a bad coach, but he can coach offense amazing. And the MVP, I have Kyler Murray. Now, this only bases on one thing. Will Cliff Kingsbury finally coach the way he should? Stop calling screens for DeAndre Hopkins. This Cardinals offense is perfect. Kyler Murray can run. He can throw. They have DeAndre Hopkins. They have A.J. Green now, who's kind of washed, but he's still good. Andy Isabella, Christian Kirk, and Larry Fitzgerald comes back. This offense is very good, but Cliff needs to call the plays right and have the scheme work for his team the way it should. This is not Texas Tech anymore. He needs to call plays with what he has. And now we are going to be getting off an NBA level and going to an NFL level where we will finish off our top 32 quarterbacks with number 19 through number 1 today. We will go ahead and get started with number 19, Trevor Lawrence of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes, you might kind of think this is high for a rookie, but I feel like Trevor will have a pretty solid season getting him this number 19 spot. At 18, I have Ben Roethlisberger from the Pittsburgh Steelers. He always starts off great, kind of gets slowed as injuries go, but as he's getting older, his play has regressed, making him be the 18th spot. At 17, I believe that Carson Wentz will be back. He's back with Frank Reich and his system that got him to the playoffs. He did tear his ACL that year, but I strongly believe they still would have won the Super Bowl with Wentz. He's back with Reich. I'll be interested to see how it goes. At 16, I have Matt Ryan of the Falcons. I did have Matt Ryan higher, like the 12-13 area, but then they traded Julio, and he bumped down a little bit to 16. At 15, I have Baker Mayfield from the Cleveland Browns. I think Baker had a very solid first year under Kevin Stefanski, and I cannot wait to see his second year in that new offense. At 14, I have Joe Burrow of the Bengals. I want to see how he comes back from the injury, but Burrow had a great rookie season before the injury. Look forward to seeing him play. At number 13, I have Justin Herbert from the Chargers, who was one of the well, who was the best rookie quarterback last season. I'm interested to see how he does in the Chargers offense with the new offensive coordinator under new head coach Brandon Staley. I thought they should have retained Pep Hamilton or promoted him to the offensive coordinator. But we will see how this goes and see what Herbert does this year. At 12, I have Matthew Stafford of the Los Angeles Rams. Stafford was in Detroit last season, had some injury problems, had a hurt thumb all year, kind of made his play a little worse. I want to see if he's getting injured as he's getting older. I want to see what he does in L.A. this season with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. At 11, I have Kirk Cousins of the Minnesota Vikings. I think Kirk Cousins is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the NFL. Always puts up solid numbers, even with Stephon Diggs out in Buffalo now. Instead of him being in Minnesota, they added Justin Jefferson. Cousins is a very solid quarterback and well-deserving of the 11th spot, in my opinion. And at 10, we have Kyler Murray of the Arizona Cardinals. I think Kyler is set to have a huge year this year. As long as Cliff will call an offense the right way and not constantly do the dink and dunk screens, you have DeAndre Hopkins. Just let him and Kyler hook up all season. At number nine, we have Ryan Tannehill of the Tennessee Titans. I did have Tannehill like 11-10 area, but when they added Julio Jones, I boosted him up a little bit. I think he'll have an amazing season of Derrick Henry, Julio Jones, and A.J. Brown. At number eight, I have the former MVP from the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson. Lamar needs help in Baltimore. 
If he had a solid wide receiver one, he would instantly be boosted to five, six, even in the four area. But without one, he can't be there. And it's not his fault. He's doing all he can. But the receivers and the play calling is not there. Sammy Watkins and Marquise Brown are not solid wide receiver ones for your franchise quarterback. At number seven, I have Josh Allen from the Buffalo Bills. I think Allen had an amazing season last year. I'm very looking forward to see how he carries on. Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, a great offense around him. Should be pretty good. At six, I have Dak Prescott from the Cowboys. Dak was having an amazing season before he tore, was it broke his ankle or something like that. Before he got hurt, he was having an amazing season. MVP caliber year, in my opinion. I think if the season continued out and Dak played, Dak would have been the MVP. At five, I have Tom Brady, and this is not purely off of impact. It is based on play, and I do not think based on play that Tom Brady's any higher than the fifth-best quarterback in the NFL right now. At four, I have Deshaun Watson, and that is Deshaun Watson is a very weird case right now because we do not know if he's going to play for the Texans or we do not know if he's going to play in the NFL again or what's going to happen with the sexual assault case. But if he is playing, Deshaun Watson is the top four quarterback in the NFL at four. At three, I have Russell Wilson from the Seahawks. We all know who Russ is. Constant performer. Always good. Can always count on Russ. At two, I have this year's MVP, Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers had a great year last year. He's also in a weird situation in Green Bay to where if we don't know if he's going to play for them or retire, no one knows what Rodgers is going to do. So we will see where that goes. And at one, it should be obvious that we have Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs. Mahomes is one of the it's probably the most talented quarterback in the league right now, has the most potential of any quarterback in the league, and maybe the most talented quarterback we have ever seen in NFL history. Patrick Mahomes is amazing, and that is why he is the number one best quarterback in the NFL. And that concludes our top thirty-two NFL quarterback rankings. And next, I will do my NBA trade scenarios for the following players. Kevin Love, Jeremy Grant, Colin Sexton, Kimball Walker, Miles Turner, Eric Gordon, Chris Tops, Porzingis, and Ben Simmons. First, I will start off with Kevin Love, who I believe we bought out by the Cleveland Cavaliers and signed with the Brooklyn Nets for a vet minimum. Or he will sign with the Los Angeles Lakers for a vet minimum to play with his friend LeBron James again. You know, the Nets would just be a ring chase move. It's pretty obvious that he wants to win this late in his career, and he's not looking to join a rebuilding team. Jeremy Grant, I had, who had a great season in Detroit, averaging 22 points and like six rebounds as the team's main star, which is his first shot to ever do this, and I believe he executed well, but I think they signed him to later trade him and get some more value, and I believe he'll be traded to the Brooklyn Nets for Spencer Dinwiddie in a sign-and-trade where the Nets will sign Dinwiddie in free agency and then move him to the Pistons for Grant. Colin Sexton was also a very weird one because I like Colin. I think the Cavs would be very stupid if they trade away Colin or let Colin walk in free agency as he's expecting a max contract for his eligibility. But when you're a small market team, you have to pay the guys that rate. But if they do trade him, I believe it'll be to the New Orleans Pelicans, for the 10th pick in the draft, Eric Bledsoe, Jackson Hayes, and a future first-round pick. This is also saying that the Pelicans would not bring back Alonzo Ball, who I believe they should, but I'm just 
going off what I think will happen. Next is Kimba Walker, who with making $36 million a year is a very hard player to kind of match contracts and trade for and find a spot on a team. As a very inconsistent shooter, but he's still a good point guard that you would want over some point guards on your team. I have him being traded to the Los Angeles Lakers for Contavious Caldwell Pope, Kyle Kuzma, and Montrez Harrell. This is also thinking that Montrez will opt in to his player option. Next, I have Miles Turner, who is one of the leading blockers in the NBA, averages around 18 points per game, somewhere around that. I think he needs to go to a team that will not have another low-post big on that team, like currently with the Pacers with DeMontis Sabonis, where their play styles kind of mesh together and it doesn't really work out. I think he'll be traded to the Charlotte Hornets straight up for P.J. Washington, the forward from Kentucky. I think P.J. is a great stretch big for Indiana. They could move him to the four and have DeMontis go down to the five and kind of run a small ball lineup there. And I think Miles is perfect for the Hornets because Lomelo will throw him all the lobs. He's that defensive anchor they need. I think that is one of the most perfect trades this offseason. Next is Eric Gordon, who I've been hearing rumors recently the Rockets are looking to move him. I think he will also be moved to the Pacers. They will trade Eric Gordon in the 26th pick for the 13th pick from the Indiana Pacers. Kristaps Porzingis, I think he'll be traded to Portland straight up for C.J. McCollum. You know, Kristaps is very shaky off and on. So is CJ. I think Portland needs that stretch big. They can bring Kristaps in there, see how he works with Dame, get a defensive two, or play Norman Powell at the two and Melo at the three in your new lineup. And then with CJ, it goes to Dallas. CJ can be a secondary ball handler and take some pressure off Luka, can make shots when he needs. Luka doesn't have to play 40 minutes in clutch games with CJ there. I think that'll be a good trade. And then Ben Simmons, who is one of the weirdest cases in the NBA right now. He doesn't want to shoot. He can't shoot. Doesn't, can't, he can't make free throws. He's scared to take shots to get fouled. He'll just pass the ball away, as we saw in the playoff series against the Hawks. But I think there is one team that can fix Ben Simmons right now, and is the Golden State Warriors. I have Ben Simmons being traded to the Golden State Warriors for Andrew Wiggins, James Wiseman, and the seventh pick in this draft, which they got from the Minnesota Timberwolves in the D'Angelo Russell trade. And this lineup of Ben Simmons would move down to the four. It would be Curry, Clay, Signback, Kelly Oubre, Simmons, and Draymond Green at center. I think Draymond would even help Ben Simmons even more defensively than he can learn from Curry and Clay how to shoot better. And that has been my NBA trade scenarios for those following players. And now for our final segment, we will do the top 100 NBA players. As last episode, we did 100 to 90. This episode will be 89 to 79. At 89, I have TJ McConnell who from the Indiana Pacers, who this season averaged 8.6 points per game, 6.6 assists per game, and 2 steals per game. I think he had like 10 steals in one game. Crazy year for him. Definitely deserving of the 89 spot. At 88, I have Bobby Portis of the Milwaukee Bucks. Bobby averaged 11-4 and 7 rebounds, and he was a great piece off the bench for Milwaukee this year. Shot 47% from three, has been very impactful in this postseason and the regular season. And at 87, I have Miles Bridges. If I base this list as guys when they were just starters, Bridges would be higher, but his bench minutes also counted in this. He averaged 20 points per game 
as a starter while Gordon Hayward was hurt, but overall in the season, he averaged 12.7 and 6.2. At 86, I have D'Angelo Russell. He was hurt this season, kind of played off the bench a little bit. You know, D'Lo's going to get you 20 points every night. There's no question about that. At 85, I have Andrew Wiggins, who averaged, I think, yeah, 18 points per game with the best defense he's ever played. Draymond Green is really helping Andrew Wiggins out. At 84, I have John Wall, the Houston Rockets, who averaged 20 points and 9 assists this season. You know, those stats look really good, but then you recognize the team Wall was on, then it kind of just all shows. At 83, Victor Oladipo, who was hurt this season, played like 24 games, which has been the past for every single other season for like the past four years. He averaged around 17 points per game if you combine in the Rockets 20 games and the Heat 4 games. At 82, I have Anis Cancer, who is the best offensive rebounder in the NBA, in my opinion. There's other good ones too, but I think he's definitely up there in those top guys. He averaged 11-11 this season coming off the bench for the Trailblazers until Nurkic got hurt and all that. At 81, I have Brooke Lopez from the Milwaukee Bucks, who averaged 12-5 on 33% from three. Defensive force, all-defensive team two seasons ago. Lopez is a good player. At 80, I have Serge Ibaka from the Los Angeles Clippers. It's a shame we didn't get to see more of Serge in the playoffs since he had to get that season-ending surgery, but I think Serge was a great add for the Clippers and Tyron Lue. And at 79, I have Marcus Smart, who is one of the best guard defenders in the NBA. He can facilitate. He has an all-right three-point shot, but Marcus Smart's always a reliable force on defense. He's a pest. He's like Patrick Beverly, but kind of a little bit lighter on the pest side. But those are my top 89, my top 100 players, 89 to 79. And that has been the second episode of the Kevin Price Show. Please remember to follow all of our social medias, follow on Spotify, and thank you for watching.